Well, a few Decembers ago, before COVID, our church participated in the Roseville Christmas Parade. We had done floats before, uh, but in 2019, we actually decided to march in the parade carrying signs. A series of signs. Some of you may remember some of some of you may remember these. But they said, "Love your neighbor who doesn't look like you, think like you, speak like you, vote like you, love like you, pray like you." And the hope is that in a world where many seek to create homogenous bubbles for themselves with people just like them, that this would remind us that we are called to love people who are different than we are. It's what I would call having a margin for difference. A margin for difference. A margin for difference is having open, charitable space in our minds, in our hearts, for people different than we are. It's respecting, valuing, loving people who are the other. A person with a margin for difference approaches people who are not like them with humility and openness instead of arrogance and close-mindedness. Now, it doesn't take a lot to see in our culture and society that we are woefully lacking in terms of having a margin for difference. Let's get real. We are as divided as ever about almost everything, everything, demonizing difference and dehumanizing whatever our other might be. It's quite possible and common these days to, to craft a world for ourselves with people in it who have the same skin color we do, the same political ideology as we do, the same socioeconomic status, the same faith and we consume information that simply confirms our own preconceptions and ideas about the world and society. And here's the, here's the sad part. We don't think we're missing out. We don't even think we're missing out. In fact, we may think we're better off. But without a margin for difference, we can become militantly narrow-minded, judgmental, more easily develop a prejudice towards someone we deem other. We then back up our prejudices by cherry-picking facts that support our opinion, all the while ignoring the rest. Politicians, advertisers, media personalities, even sadly religious leaders exploit fear of difference for views, votes, dollars, clicks, even violence. Sometimes margin, no margin for difference takes a different form, takes the form of intentional blindness toward the difference, pretending it's not there, or wanting everybody to just be the same, which is basically meaning, be just like me. Be just like us. We're so threatened, aren't we, by different. Why? Do, do we really think our life's foundation, our way of understanding ourselves and the world, our faith, our God... Is that endangered by somebody different from us? In prehistoric times, this fear of the other may have kept us safe. Now it just makes us small. We desperately need to cultivate a margin for difference so that we can be witnesses to others of a God who created a beautiful and diverse world who loves, whose love extends to all. So that we can witness of what to what could be, what could be in the world. Because here's the truth. We worship a God who has a huge 
margin for different. Everything that is not God is wholly different from God because God is holy and unique. But God doesn't move away from that difference. God moves toward it and is glorified by it. God did not create us all the same. God loves our human diversity. God is not a vanilla God or a colorblind God. When God created the world in all of its wonder and beauty and diversity, God must have delighted in the different kinds of trees and animals, the different hues and flows of water, the different tones of light in the sky and in the clouds, the variance in landscape, the difference in in shades of human skin, because God says it is good. The grace of God is not contained within particular human groups, nor does God's grace simply erase our differences. Our God has a huge margin for them. Even when human beings turned away from God, God moved toward us decisively in the person of Jesus. It doesn't get much more other than to be sinners in the presence of a perfect and holy and good God. And yet God came to us anyway in love, in Jesus, who dwelt among us, who associated with people vastly different from him, who died and rose from the dead for people who were his enemy. God is not interested in wiping away our differences, but bringing them all gloriously under the kingdom of Jesus' lordship and love through the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we see happening in this story from Acts 10, from the early church. By this point, the Holy Spirit has already come upon the Jews who had gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost. And the church is born, and it is comprised of Jewish Christians. For Jews, even initially for Jewish followers of Jesus in the early church, the world was divided into Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were the other Jews had little margin for Gentiles. Gentiles had little margin for Jews. Jewish law forbade eating with, staying with Gentiles, associating with them for fear that their differences would pollute the Jewish way of life and their distinctive witness. This was just the way it was. But clearly the Holy Spirit had other ideas. And thank goodness. Thank goodness, because here's the truth. We are the Gentiles. Unless someone here is Jewish, we are the Gentiles. We were the, di- we were the different ones. The other ones on the outside looking in. The ones Jews would have set themselves apart from with little to no margin for us. Until we really and truly see ourselves in this way as the other, it will be hard for us ever to develop a margin for difference. But Peter is is just a a great example of how the early church margin for difference grew. Peter's margin for difference is cultivated as he dances between being open to to the power of the Holy Spirit and being open to the power of relationship. The power of the Holy Spirit and the power of relationship. In his vision, Peter sees a sheet descend from from heaven with all kinds of animals on it. And and a voice tells him to get up, kill, eat. Now to think of those foods that Peter knows he's not supposed to eat, foods that are 
are different and unclean would also be to think of the unclean and different people who ate those foods. When God gives Peter permission to eat these foods, God is effectively placing Jewish Peter in the different Gentile world and telling him to join it and them. No wonder, right? Peter is completely horrified and bewildered. Imagine being told your whole life, supported by Jewish Torah, Jewish law and tradition, that this kind of food and this kind of people who ate this food were unclean and different and you shouldn't have anything to do with them. And then you hear a voice from heaven telling you the exact opposite. While Peter is wrestling with this, with this vision, we're told the Spirit interrupts him and tells him to go with three, three, different, pe- three different people who are downstairs. And don't ask questions because the Spirit has sent them. And Peter's open to what the Spirit is saying. We don't get that internal view as to what's transpiring in in Peter's heart and mind as he journeys with these Gentile men to Cornelius' home. But he's clearly open to the risk of a relationship with these different Gentiles. God doesn't just use the Spirit to carve out a margin for different. God uses a real relationship with Cornelius and his family. Peter's not just listening to the Spirit. He's in the beginning stages of a relationship with the other. And we can only assume that he remains open to both of these things because when he gets there, he says to them, y'all know I'm not supposed to be here, right? (laughs) You know it's forbidden for a Jew to associate with outsiders. However, he says, however, God has shown me that I should not call a person unclean or impure. This is what I thought. This is the marginless life I was living when it came to people different from me. But now God has shown me something else. How? Because Peter is open to the movement and work of the Holy Spirit and to a relationship. He begins to have a conversation with Cornelius. You get to know him. He learns why Cornelius has sent for him. He's supposed to preach the gospel. And so he preaches the gospel in the home of the other, in the intimate relational space of the people he previously had no margin for. A relationship is beginning. At the end, did you catch that? Peter is invited to stay with them for several days. There's no doubt in my mind that if we were to enter into relationship with someone very different from us, we might discover just how shallow our fears, our judgments Our preconceptions might have been. Everyone needs to experience the joy of receiving another, not as the other, but as potential friend. And the grace of being received by the other. Our margin will increase, and we might just witness something amazing. As Peter is wrapping up, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles there just as the Spirit had fallen upon Peter and all the other Jews in Jerusalem at Pentecost. This is Pentecost 2.0. Peter is astonished. The whole scene from the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of these new relationships with Gentiles just blows wide open his margin for different. When we're open to the power of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit is doing, we become more open to different people because the Spirit is always seeking to draw people together. 
When we're open to the Spirit, we're open to learning and being transformed because that's also fundamentally the Spirit's work. In verse 34, Peter says, I'm really learning that God doesn't show partiality to one people group over another. I am learning. In other words, it's a process. It's a work of growing in grace. I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm not closed off. I'm learning. I'm I'm learning. Trust me, I I just found out how much I still need to grow when it comes to my intercultural competency and humility. I I recently took a test, and it showed just how far I have to go. I thought I was way further down the line than I actually am in reality. Are, Are we willing to learn? Change? Are we teachable? Because I promise that the Holy Spirit has things to show us about people who are different than we are. I promise people who are different than we are have things to teach us. This unfolding scene is a living, breathing example of what Jesus meant when he said, now you've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. That only happens if we're open to the movement of the Holy Spirit and are in relationship with someone different from us. Uh, I can remember the first time that I met Betty. Uh, I would not have that day if it had been my choice completely, if not for the, the, the nudging and the power and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Betty is from Honduras and lives in the, in the neighborhood where we've been helping to, to, to provide food. I'm, I'm a white American male. She is a Latina female. We have been dropping off food boxes on porches, knocking on doors. Uh, nobody virtually at all came out of their house. We just knocked on the door to, to let them know it was there. And so I dropped off the box. I knocked on the door. I was, I was starting down the steps. Like, I really kind of wanted to leave. The whole thing just felt strange and awkward. I didn't even know what I was going to do if someone actually opened the door. But I heard some, a little bit of movement within the house, and I felt the Spirit say, wait, wait, Tyler, wait. She came out and introduced, uh, and we introduced ourselves to one another, me using Spanish that I hadn't spoken in a while, Betty taking the chance of conversing with a, a white stranger. But because of that cross-cultural encounter that I almost chose to miss, our church has been able to do a vaccine clinic in that neighborhood. We've been able to do an ice cream truck. We've been able to serve fresh food to residents with Betty serving alongside us and allowing us to store our tables and tents in her house. But even more than that, she's been a doorway into wonderful learning for me about the amazing people in that neighborhood and the beautiful differences that exist between her culture and mine harmonized with our shared heart to serve the people in that neighborhood. Margin for difference happens when we dance between openness to the power of the Holy Spirit and openness to the power of relationship. Because let me ask us this question. Has the Holy Spirit stopped doing what the Spirit did with Peter? Was that a one-time deal? Or is the Spirit continuing to invite us to accept new people, different people that we had not imagined God would send across our paths and invite into our lives? I want you to imagine someone who's completely different from you. 
Maybe they're the opposite gender. Maybe they're, they're, uh, they're a different sexual orientation. Maybe they're a different age than you. Maybe they don't have the same money as you. Maybe they're from a different country as you. Uh, maybe the way they talk, the language they speak are different from you. Uh, maybe their skin color. Maybe they voted differently. Think about a, a person or a group as different. Maybe, if you're really brave, the ones who give you the most gut visceral reaction. When you think about them, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What would it mean to take a step toward them? Preacher Will Willimon says, any congregation where there is no growth, no shocking baptisms, no tense meetings full of argument and conflict over what to do about contemporary Gentiles is indicative of a church that's failing to obey Jesus. In other words, it's a church with no margin for difference. I don't want to be that kind of church to you. I don't want to be that kind of follower of Jesus to you. After all, I am the other. Thank God, God has the margin for different old me. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.